On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, What things? They said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that, They had even seen a vision of angels who told them that he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the woman said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, Weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the disciple, two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus had made known to them as he broke the bread. This is God's word. Uh, Today's speaker needs no introduction for many of you who have been a part of WCF, but for those who haven't met Margot, let me fill you in a bit on her history with us. Margot has been uh, part of WCF for over 24 years and was instrumental in starting the youth ministry here and a healing prayer ministry. In addition to that, she served as a worship deacon and an elder. She currently serves uh, as a spiritual director, but also has been sent out as a missionary from WCF to work with Our Daily Bread, a ministry to our unhoused neighbors here on Capitol Hill through Capitol Hill United Methodist Church. So we're so glad to have you here today with us, Margot. Thanks for bringing God's word. Thank you, Andrew. It's good to be here at WCF feels like home. Before we start thinking about this story together today, I would like to invite you to get something to take a note or two with. 
Uh, I'll be asking some questions throughout this interaction about this encounter with Jesus and may take a pause here and there to give you a chance to think or notice something that might be coming to your mind or when your heart might be burning within you and you want to remember something after our conversation is over. So some of the questions may spark something, and that's great, and others may not. Don't judge or worry. Something comes, it does. If it doesn't, not a problem. I'm hoping that there'll be at least one thing that you'll be able to take away, one question that may stay with you and prompt further exploration and action as you reflect on this encounter with Jesus. So some of you know, as Andrew said, I came to WCF in December of 1996. I had graduated with my PhD in 92, and after four years, I was still looking for my place. Um, When I came to WCF, I had had five people in three cities tell me that this was a place I should come, and when I arrived, I felt like I was home. And it has been a place of nurture and... um, encouragement for me and helping me develop my gifts. And part of my vision is to help people live healthy, sustainable lives so we can all be about what God has called us to do. After my graduation, I'd had a couple interviews for positions, which I thought would allow me to engage in this vision, um, but I didn't get those positions. Um, Instead, I was invited to Indonesia to um, work at an international high school. It was a journey I hadn't expected, but I'd always hoped to live overseas, so I took advantage of that uh, twist in the road. Um, So as I ended here, um, there were many things that happened, um, twists that I realize now where Jesus was present with me, even though I didn't uh, recognize him walking with me as I went. Um, So this passage is um, reminding me about some of the things I've learned about discernment, and about noticing Jesus' presence in my life. And I hope that happens for you as well. So this is one of my favorite passages. Um, And one of the things that stands out to me that's so remarkable is um, that these disciples were walking with Jesus for several hours, probably. It was over a seven-mile journey. And he was with them physically, and they didn't recognize him. So what is it that keeps us from recognizing the presence of Jesus when he's in our midst? Walking right beside us, being right with us, and we still don't know that he's there. We know that one of the disciples in this story was Cleopas, but we don't know the other one. It might have been his wife. Some people thought it was because they were going home together. Um, Jesus, unbeknownst to them, joined them and used that walk to reveal himself through several different ways on the journey. So they have had a tumultuous week in Jerusalem. They're walking together, talking together, wrestling, remembering, questioning all that happened. And during this time, a stranger walks up and asks them what they're talking about. They're amazed that a stranger doesn't know what's been going on. He hasn't been watching the news. Um, So they include the stranger in their journey home and seem eager to respond to his question, which leads to more questions and more questions. So it probably was a couple hours of wrestling with their experiences and 
thinking about what had happened to them, learning about the history and the tradition, being reminded about the scriptures, what the scriptures had said about Jesus. But it wasn't until they engaged in a meal together in which the guest reminded them of the ritual that Jesus had left them as he broke the bread. At that point, after a long physical and metaphorical journey, they recognized Jesus and poof, he was gone, physically anyway. So as you think about your life, are there other other times when you've talked a lot to people about Jesus and talked about your story and things that have been happening and haven't really recognized him being with you at the moment? Why is that? The first reason that we know from the scripture is that they were prevented from recognizing him. Apparently, their eyes were shut. They were shut from being able to recognize a person that was in their presence. Um, And we know this because at the end of the story, we're told that their eyes were opened. But the question remains, how did this shutting of their eyes work? How did that mechanism work that prevented them from seeing Jesus? Um, I'm wondering if this passage tells us something about how our bodies and our spirits are in this life that we have now and in the life to come. When my parents died in a car crash overseas, um, their bodies were returned to the U.S., and we had to identify them. And so my sisters and I, my aunt, we all went to the mortuary, and um, we, my sister, who's a nurse, said she would identify, because she, she, she'd been around people who were sick. And then my aunt went with her because she was going to, she was strong and the oldest one in the family. And then all of us were kind of huddled in a little clump, and we're going up to the bodies, and my sister says, it doesn't look like them. And immediately my heart was like, oh, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's a mistake. And my sister said, she wouldn't be caught dead looking like that, Um, which, of course, she had been caught dead looking like that. But something was different. It was hard to recognize her. And in addition to the um, makeup and the hair design that wasn't what she normally wear, I think part of the reason is that her spirit was gone from her body. Um, In the case of Jesus, his spirit was still there, but his body was different. Um, And people weren't able to recognize that body without some additional cues. He kept showing up in locked rooms and disappearing before people's eyes and talking to them, and they still couldn't understand. But we know that he was recognized when his body was paired with the sound of a voice, of his voice, when it was paired with paying attention to the wounds that were in his body um, and triggering memories of their experience with him through the ritual of breaking of the bread. And I think it's important to recognize that Jesus' body was interconnected to his spirit and important to who he is and who he was. And so are our bodies and the bodies of Christ. While we might not totally understand what this connection means, it's important to recognize that our life in God is embodied, both individually and communally. So what else might have hindered their ability to see Jesus? As they walked on that road, they wrestled with their story of the past week. They could tell the story that happened in their lives just one week prior, and they could tell it to each other and to Jesus, and they 
didn't understand the meaning of it. Perhaps the fact that they were downcast and their hopes were crushed for how they thought Jesus would accomplish his work limited their ability to perceive and experience the reality of the resurrection that was before them in the present moment as they interacted with him. Grief and dashed hopes. Take a moment to think about your own grief and dashed hopes during this season of COVID. Perhaps disconnection from family and friends and church, community, deaths. I know this community has had a couple deaths and some significant illnesses just in the past weeks and months alone. Loss of income, restricted mobility, the disruption of your routines, impact on your work, possibilities that were on the horizon that are no longer. I wonder how the overwhelming presence of significant dashed hopes and sources of grief could hinder your ability to see Jesus offering hope and possibility to you in the midst of this loss and season of transition. Have you ever been surprised by a dead expectation that came to life again in a way you didn't expect? When something you had lost hope for and had laid to rest was resurrected in an unexpected form or an unexpected way? Take a moment to remember how Jesus was present with you then. Several weeks ago, Andrew preached on expectations, and they show up here as well. I believe the disciples' expectations shaped who they saw and were able to see. When Jesus met them on the road, they saw a man, a stranger perhaps, who was curious. They welcomed him into conversation as they walked, and the man asked them questions and invited them to name their questions and share their disappointments and grief. Even in the retelling of their story about Jesus to Jesus, sounds a little bit like a prayer, including their dashed hopes and the women's unbelievable tale of encountering Jesus alive, they were unable to recognize Jesus in their midst. Somehow they couldn't put the pieces together. Perhaps even when they heard that Jesus would be returning, they didn't expect to see someone who was dead come back to life. Their expectations about what happens when someone dies were so reasonable that they were unable to see the fulfillment of their wildest dreams standing before them in person. These expectations meant that what they had seen in the past framed their horizon of possibility in the future, in the current situation or the future. The range of possible things that they could imagine that they could see was limited by physical experiences that they'd had in the past. Their beliefs about what was possible somehow didn't allow for the possibility of light overcoming darkness, of life overpowering death, and that even though Jesus had promised to be with them again, they couldn't imagine that it would be his body right there in front of them after seeing him dead on a cross. Somehow their understanding of how the spiritual and the physical world were connected was disconnected from the reality that they were seeing. Can you name or remember a belief that you've had that's been influenced by your past experience that's limited your ability to imagine and see something new and life-giving happening in your present or in your future? 
How might Jesus be inviting you into something new through his presence? Take a moment if there's any expectations that you may be able to notice that are arising for you. Another unfortunate reason that these disciples didn't see Jesus is that they were unable to really believe the women's testimony. In addition to a woman's story being uh, beyond the disciples' horizon of possibilities, they were unable to believe a first-person eyewitness account of a different reality that came from women. How often do we find it difficult to hear truth from someone who is different from us? Someone who is other, a different culture, a different educational status, a young person, an older person, someone of a different age, a gender we don't understand, another sexual orientation, a different race, another creed, a stranger. Whoever is other from us. As we think about the current isms we're wrestling with in our culture, racism and classism and sexism and ageism and heterosexism and ableism and sectarianism of all types, how often are we able to hear some truth from someone else who is other? What others do you find most difficult to hear and learn from? I can imagine, at least knowing um, my experience, that as the political season is healing, heating up, um, some of us have family and friends who are from another perspective. How might life be different? if all of us were able to discern aspects of truth from the stories of people who are other and to listen and hear. Perhaps, as Valerie Carr remind us, we would see no stranger. Another possibility for the reason that they couldn't see Jesus was that their understanding of the sacred text was limited. Although they knew what the passages said, somehow their dull minds kept them to a limited understanding about what Jesus was doing and who he was and how he was showing up. They didn't experience these texts as being alive and foretelling the story in front of them. From our vantage point, looking back, it seems quite clear in some cases what was being foretold about Jesus after we've seen all that's happened. Yet, In the midst of it, it wasn't quite so apparent. And think about how in the history of the church, we've applied passages to justify things like slavery and misogyny and violence, things that Jesus definitely wouldn't condone. The church hasn't always done a very good job of walking our talk or living into the teachings of Jesus to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. What other places... Have we gotten stuck with understandings that we learned that ha- as children and not allowed them to grow up and develop and allow the Holy Spirit to move us more deeply into the freedom in Christ that is available to us? The last obstacle I noticed that I want to mention today is they didn't pay attention to the wisdom of their bodies, how the Spirit was speaking to them in the sensations of their bodies as, wa- as they walked along. When they looked back, they realized that their hearts had been on fire when Jesus had been sharing the scriptures with them, when he had been talking about himself. 
and explaining what the scriptures meant. Can you think of a time when you knew something was going on and you, you noticed that your heart was burning, but you didn't pay attention and you just kind of moved along? Perhaps it would, had been an invitation to speak up or to speak out or to take action or to listen. You might have known something in your body or had an awareness that something wasn't right, but you didn't follow up. You just ignored it. How might that experience have turned out differently if you'd have paid attention to your burning heart or whatever sensation that the Holy Spirit uses with you to get your attention, to help you pay attention to how the Spirit is work, at work in you? So as we, we've noticed a few ways that we might be blocked from noticing Jesus in our midst. What practices do we see in this passage that build on the, these these obstacles that, that can help us create space to pay attention to how Jesus is present in our life. I want to suggest that this walk and talk that these disciples were doing, where they were talking about their questions with someone they trusted and knew and reflecting on their experience, um, this could be an examine, an, like a type of an examine, where this walking and talking can take some of the pressure off and create a space for a deeper conversation. Um, the rhythm of walking can settle our nervous system and create space for new insights and connections. Just, uh, just being with someone you know and trust and sharing your common experience can be an important spiritual practice. But this rhythmic cross-crawl movement of the walk being added can activate your brain in ways that allows your stories to be processed differently. And with intention, to pay attention to how your story, in your story you moved closer and further away from God can allow this practice to be a part of a, an examine, perhaps formed after the Ignatian practice of the examine, where we notice God's presence. We're grateful for it. We're able to um, repent in places that need repentance and, and commit to action as a result. I know some of you engage in this practice because I've seen your pictures on Facebook. The next practice is the practice of hospitality. The disciples were open to a stranger, an unrecognized person joining them on their journey. And they were talking about intimate, personal things while they were on this journey. This person asked a question about their conversation, and they willingly shared their story of griefs and dashed hopes. It was both a personal story, but it was a public story, and perhaps admitting their connection to Jesus, depending on who the stranger was, could potentially have had negative implications. Yet they were open to being themselves and sharing transparently about their questions and their confusions about Jesus. At the end of the walk, the disciples invited Jesus to share a meal. And that probably even included an invitation to spend the night, since hotels were not common at that time. In Matthew 25, we're reminded that Jesus is present with those who are hungry and thirsty and a stranger and naked, sick and in prison. And when we offer that food and drink and assistance and comfort and physical presence to the least of these, we're actually welcoming Jesus. When you practice hospitality, how often do you welcome strangers into your life? 
How willing are you to share your disappointments and griefs and questions with those who join you? And with whom might you be invited to extend hospitality during this season of COVID? The next practice is just the practice of listening to the other. Imagine how the disciples' experience might have been different if they had really taken in and believed and listened to what the women had said. They were sharing an eyewitness account of the resurrection, yet these disciples were limited in their horizon of possibilities because of who and what was who spoke and what was being said. If they had been willing to receive this story from these women who were other in some ways, instead of being confused and full of grief over what they'd experienced, they might have been filled with expectation of hope and hope for when Jesus might reveal himself next. They might not have seen Jesus as a stranger, but recognized him in the body in which he came. Again, think about who you are experiencing as other and who might God might be inviting you to learn from and to listen to. In our, it's possible for them to be in person, but given our, our um, online world, there's lots of ways to listen to others, even without being with them in person. Another practice is just engaging the holy imagination. The disciples knew their scriptures, but they didn't fully understand the meaning of them. And I think one of the reasons is that sometimes it takes seeing someone else live differently to expand our imaginations of what could be. As we hear the stories of people doing and engaging in the community, um, I was reminded just this morning of Phyllis and her story of working in her community as the COVID started. As we see people living and acting and taking actions, we can expand our own holy imagination. We can also try holy experiments as we read the scriptures and hear what others are doing and hear about practices that may seem beyond us now, we can invite the Holy Spirit to help us try a small thing in a new way. The breakfast where I volunteer didn't start as a big breakfast where we were going to serve 11,000 meals and involve multiple churches and businesses in the community and have over 700 volunteers. It was just a simple response to one request for a cup of coffee. And as we listen to the words of Jesus, when I was thirsty, you gave me to drink, and all these other admonitions that he gives us, perhaps we can try a holy experiment and see how God uses that to see how Jesus shows up. As you think about the scriptures that speak to you, is there, is there one that has you wondering about how you might engage in a different way? The breaking of the bread was a ritual but it was also the breaking of the bread. So there may be rituals that you might be invited into that you could practice. Rituals are important ways of repeating and remembering important aspects of our life and honoring them. It's not so insignificant that many of Jesus' miracles were centered around food. So I think the fact that the breaking of the bread was when he was revealed is really important. Food is a great leveler. Everyone needs to eat, rich, poor, black, white, brown, male, female, even our pets. All of us require food. And when we eat together, 
We share the experience of being nourished together. We can take time to slow down and to be present. Enjoy each other's company. Listen to each other's stories. Learn how God has been present in the other. Perhaps be inspired to try something new. It's a time to be thankful for all those who are responsible for our food coming to our table. We can remember what has brought us together to the table. Food can physically heal us, and eating together can spiritually strengthen and heal us as well. Although Jesus revealed himself in many ways on this journey to Emmaus, remembering the events of the previous week, connecting his story to the story of scripture and tradition, um, the eyes of the disciples were open to Jesus in the moment of the breaking of the bread. So I invite you to think about who you might be invited to break bread with during this season. And lastly, I remind us what I mentioned at the beginning about their hearts were burning. The last practice is just learning to pay attention to when our hearts are burning, practicing, focusing on, and noticing from the inside out the sensations at work when the Holy Spirit's at work in us. Um, It's called proprioception. And this ability to notice our sensations as they change in our body can help facilitate our awareness of the Spirit at work. And it is a skill that can be developed and refined. The Holy Spirit speaks to each of us uniquely. So your heart that's burning may feel totally different than mine. It might be in a different place. It might be your gut. It might be your right arm. Who knows? Um, But the Holy Spirit is going to be at work. And as you look back and review and remember other times when the Holy Spirit has spoken, those will be clues to notice when you experience the Holy Spirit's presence in the present moment. So this passage was the passage I used uh, when I had my interview for my dream job. Um, So it's it was a meaningful experience. And they said that engaging in the passage helped them learn something. And I was so excited about that position. Yet when I did my own discernment and paid attention to how the spirit was at work in my heart, I knew I had to say no. I cried when I told the vice president that I couldn't say yes. And several months later, I remembered that I hadn't thanked him, and I'd hoped I'd have interaction with him in the future. And so I sent him an email, and immediately he responded and said, you know, isn't it ironic that today is the day I tendered my resignation? So he wouldn't have been there, and he was one of the main reasons I was uh, interested in that position. Another confirmation and a reminder of how the Spirit was in work in my discernment was that soon after, I uh, met Jerry Herbert and was invited to serve in his community with the American Studies Program. In addition, I had six years with my parents that I wouldn't have had um, before they died if I had moved from the city. I wouldn't have um, found our daily bread. I wouldn't have the opportunity to serve in that community without being here. Remembering how the Spirit spoke to me during that process and through these scriptures and noticing how my heart was burning um, helped has helped me in other situations um, to notice how the Spirit's at work. 
So as we close this time of just reflecting on this passage, I invite you to take a moment to pay attention to anything that the Spirit might be bringing to your heart and mind right now, something that you might want to stay with and pay attention to and explore, maybe an opportunity where Jesus is showing up and inviting you to join with him. So I'll give you a minute, and then I'll close us in prayer. Holy One, as we pay attention to our questions and our experience and notice our hearts burning within us, as we seek ways to practice hospitality and invite you in, as we open our heart to the other to learn from how you've been at work in someone else's life, even though they may be different, as we spend time in your scriptures learning how you've engaged the world and how you call us to live. May we notice, may we notice how your heart, how your spirit is causing us, causing our hearts to burn, causing us to desire, to try, to step out, to open our arms to the possibilities of what you may be doing in our lives. So I ask you to help us see you more clearly, see you more clearly in our own lives, and in in the lives of those we meet day to day. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.